we're glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, why don't you take them and turn to Revelation chapter number one. We'll get there in just a minute. Uh, as we get started today, uh, I just want to give a huge shout out to a couple of things, uh, a couple of people, uh, because, you know, on a weekly basis, we just can't do it without them, okay? Um, and so uh, Justin and Fran up in the media booth making it happen week in and week out. Thank you so much for all you do. Um, it, most of the time, we never uh, pay any attention to them until it doesn't work or it freaks out on us. And then everybody's like, you know, we get, they get the evil eye of death. And so, but just week in and week out dealing with all of it and all of the changes that happen from service to services and all that. And so thank you guys so much. You guys are heroes. Um, also want to give a shout out to our fifth and sixth graders, our fifth and sixth ministry that are here with us this morning. And so they're up here behind the youth in this front section. And so good job, guys. Okay, the deal's off. I don't owe you any money for any illustration I use with you in it, okay? Not today while you're in here, okay, bud? <laughs> so uh, at any rate, we're thrilled to have them with us today anyway. Uh, exci excited for that. Uh, today we're going to start a new series. It's called I Still Believe. You know, for the first half of the year, we spent the time focusing in on being engaged, engaging God's Word, engaging in Scripture. Um, what does that mean as we flesh that out? And really, this is just a continuation of that. But we're going to take a little bit of a different approach, a different perspective, and just see how um, so much of it fits together. You know, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, it says, I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is coming the Almighty. Amen? That's our God. There's nobody like him. There's nobody else in the world. There's never been a God like him that ever will be another God like him because every other God gets spelled with a lowercase g because they're not that important, right? And so as we dig into this today, um, we're, we're going we're gonna to see referenced uh, probably a hundred different verses. There's just not going to be very many put up on the screen because I, I want us to see this as a, as a whole. And so this next coming weeks, we're going to be looking at I Still Believe and dig into the doctrines that have long held the church together. So long, for so far, um, much farther than we could imagine or understand, there's been this core layer of things that, that the church held and they believed that kept everything together, far beyond the Assemblies of God, far beyond the Baptists, far beyond the Catholic. It predates all of them, okay? And so we're going to look at some of those together. So since the beginning of, of, of the church age, if you will, after Jesus commissioned the church there um, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, since then... Uh, there have been these phrases that have been passed down from generation to generation. H how many of you have a generational phrase in your family? You know, like, like in my family, if you can't remember somebody's name, it's, oh, what's his name? Right? My dad does it. My granddad did it. Just the way that it is. H how many of you have a generational phrase that kind of has been passed down? Okay, I'm the weirdo, and a few other of you weirdos. So we all have these. I, I think we have these, gen these things that get, get shared from generation to generation. And in the church, it's no different. We've had these. They predate our songs. They even predate our language. Now, I, I know we think that um, English is what rules the world. And today in the society and the world that we live in, English is the predominant language worldwide. But back then, that wasn't the case when these were written. And so anything that you read, whether it's got the these and the thous or not, wasn't ever there in the original because it wasn't in the original. You know what I'm saying? Like the original was in Greek. Um, and so when we look back at this, 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 these phrases, and what do they mean, and what do they stand for, just remember that it doesn't matter if it sounds like something we've heard or something that we've said, it's, 
It's before that. It predates all of that. A lot of times, um, you know, back in the day when these were said, there was music, and their music was probably really bad. It was not like some of the modern movies that are made about the old times. It wasn't like that where they had cool music. You know, it wasn't anything like that at all. Their music was worse than the Western music my, my mama and papa made me listen to as a kid. Not much worse, but it, it was worse. I know some of you are going, you're crazy, preacher. Yes, that's true. You've known this for a long time. Nonetheless, it still doesn't change that from my perspective, right? So these sayings, generation to generation, as they were passed down, they were referred to as catechisms or creeds. That's what they were called. And they were a synopsis of belief. They were something that was put together, um, and they would have a nice even flow. They might even rhyme as they were passed down, right? But that was done so that it would make it memorable. It was easy to pass it on from generation to generation if it, if it had a nice even flow and easy to remember f- phrasing to it. Now, there's one that as a church you're really familiar with. You may not realize that you're familiar with it, but us as a church, we're really Familiar, familiar with it, and it's called the Apostles' Creed. How many of you have ever heard of the Apostles' Creed? Okay. How many of you have heard the Apostles' Creed because you uh, have Catholic, uh, the Catholic tradition in your background? Okay. It's very, very prevalent in the uh, Catholics and um, Presbyterian and, and certain more of the, the formal high churches where they have centuries-old tradition that they still live through today. You may have heard it. You may not know it. But you've heard it, and you've heard about it. We sing it. The reason you know it here is because we sing it. We sing it in a song called The Creed. It's a great song. We love it. It talks about what we believe. This I believe. And so the song The Creed is a modern musical rendition of this time-tested statement of doctrinal truth that the apostles believed. And it goes like this. It'll be on the screens for you to follow along with. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life, the life everlasting. Amen. Now, that statement, very brief, has been around, the earliest known version predates to 140 A.D. Now, you may think some of the songs we sing are old, and you may think we don't sing songs enough that are old enough. This is older than that, Okay? way back, past all of those things. 140 AD, the earliest known manuscript where it was written down, they found it dates to 140 AD. It was many of the early church leaders, they used it to sum up um, uh, their beliefs as they had the opportunity to stand for their faith. Just like 1 Timothy 6, 12 tells us, these statements developed into a more standard form to express one's statement of beliefs before baptism Um, But it's not scripture. It is a simple list of the great doctrines of the church and what we believe. A side note here, when it says the, the, uh, the Holy Catholic Church, it's not the Roman Catholic Church, okay? That is meant... To, to um, When it says the Catholic Church, that means relating to the church universal or all the churches, all people who have, who have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ in any denomination. Okay, that's what it, when it says the, the, the Catholic Church, that's what it's referring to. 
So all of the doctrine that's there, that's summarized here in the creed, it wasn't pulled from the New Testament. Have you, ever, have you ever thought about that? What we just read, and if you've known it your whole life, a lot of times we think, oh, great, that's good New Testament teaching. It, it was before the New Testament. It, it was them expressing the beliefs that they were living out that we today try to embody for us in the here and now. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in all of that. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the life everlasting. And it's important that they put the in there because it's not just everlasting life like nirvana, but it is the everlasting life through the Son, Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice that makes it possible for us. So when they say these things, it matters because they were believing it and living it out. They were summarizing what they, what they believed so that they could pass it on to generation after generation because they didn't know then that we would have this precious book that was put together for us called the Holy Bible that has been time-tested and true, has never been able to be wiped off the face of the earth because it's still true today. It's summed up. These core beliefs, these doctrines that have held the church together for almost 2,000 years. And today, we're going to be looking back at them to see their overwhelmingly important doctrine as a reminder of why we so desperately need them today. Not just today, but tomorrow and the next day. And when my kids have kids and their kids have kids, they're still going to be just as true then. So we're going to look at the beginning of the creed. We won't always go in sequential order through the creed as we look through all of these things at the doctrines that are presented there. But today, that's where we're going to begin, in the beginning. And it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Now, let's get a little bit of historical context for why these things were outlandish to say at the time. It was a big statement. Culturally, it was a big statement in every way because in the day and age that the apostles were living, to say that anyone else was Lord besides Caesar was a death sentence. Literally, you might as well sign your death sentence. You're going to die because that's what the Roman soldiers were to do if they heard anyone say that anyone else was Lord besides Caesar. And so when they said that Jesus is Lord, it was a big deal. When they said that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, that was going against all of the known cultural beliefs because they believed at the time that the Greek and the Roman gods were the ones that were holding everything up and to attribute anything else to God besides the Roman and Greek gods, man, that that was terrible because it had to be those gods who made everything else happen. That's why Paul could leverage their God structure to introduce Jesus Christ there um, on Mars Hill when he said, I see that you have a God, uh, a place for the unknown God. Let me tell you about who he is and introduce Jesus that way. In the same way, to go against what was said then, man, it it was against the law. You couldn't introduce any other God. So when they said, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, it was outlandish and ridiculous. Here's the thing. The Bible, have you ever had somebody tell you that to believe this thing is outlandish and ridiculous today? I've had friends tell me, hey, preacher, this this doesn't work anymore. 
It was good back then, but it's not for today. Don't you know we've evolved past that? We've, we know more than what the Bible says. It was a good starting point years and years ago, but it's really not that important anymore. You guys in school, guess what you're going to face? People are going to say, hey, you know what? You went to church camp this summer. I know you had a Jesus experience or whatever, but it's not real. That faith that you, you go to church about, it's really not that important anymore. You need, you need to grow up and decide to become somebody who, who really understands how the world works. And let me just tell you, the world works the way it does because the Bible said so. Because it's the word of God that without it, everything else would fall apart. Because when there was literally nothing there in all of space, in all of time, God the Father stepped out, took a hold of some stars, and flung them out into the middle of nowhere and told them to stay there. And that's why we have stars in the sky, because he painted that beautiful picture for us to see each and every night. So don't you ever let anybody tell you that this is not true, that the faith that you believe in is ridiculous, because it is not. It matters more to you than you will ever know. So when the disciples and the apostles, when they stepped out and they had faith to say these things, it was a ridiculous statement in the culture of the day. They had to step out and take a chance, just like we have to step out and take a chance. They knew, just like we know today, that an almighty God is good because he can, right? But they also knew, like, knew then, like we know today, that an active father in their lives is better because he wants to. He, a good, an active father in your life wants those good things for your life. Not, not just he has the power to do it, but he wants to see them fulfilled and lived out and demonstrated in your life. They knew that, and we do too. God the Father Almighty, that was important phraseology that they put there. They never separate God and Almighty except to insert Father because he is a good father, and he has the power for whatever we need today. That phrase, God the Father Almighty, is an important phrase today more than we realize because we're raising a fatherless generation in our culture, in our society, in our country more than ever before. We are raising a fatherless generation where fathers have the power to bless and release the good things into their kids' lives, but they don't. They have the power to make a difference, and they simply won't step up to the plate. It's one thing to have a father who has the power to help you, but it's another thing entirely to have a father who wants to be in your life because he loves you and because he wants your best interest and because he's your biggest cheerleader and your biggest fan. It's one thing to have a dad who can, but it's another thing to have a father who will. We have a heavenly father who not only wants to, but has the power. He will do it. He's helping us, pushing us to pass the limits of what we thought was possible, just like a good dad does. You know, when you, when you have kids, and I can remember with all of our kids, teaching them to jump off the diving board. Just regular old diving board, not a high dive, just, just jump. So you, you jump in the water with them right in front of the diving board, and you tell them, I'll catch you. And you're treading water, treading water as best you can, Right? Trying not to drown before they jump on you and almost drown you. You know what I'm saying? So here you are. You're there and you're like, wait, come on. Come on. I mean, like seriously. And you kind of paddle back up. Come on. Come on. Jump, jump, jump. Listen, I, I'm a, I make a better boat anchor than I do a buoy. Let's go. Come on. Jump, right? 
And so finally they do, right? But, but then when they finally go the first time by themselves, what typically happens? A belly flop, right? Oh, daddy, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. It hurts so oh, bad. I'm never doing that again. And so what do you do as a good dad? You make them do it again. Why? Because if you don't, they'll never get over the fear of the momentary pain that happened. You know what Jesus does with us every time we fail and every time we fall? He's right there saying, get up. you got to do it again. Why? Because he wants us to get past the momentary pain of a failure or a flop so he can see us on the other side living it out, enjoying what we can do. Amen? That's what he's doing in our lives. So it's not just we've got a father. We've got to have a good father. And he is a good father. When we talk about a good dad, I'm not talking about just monetary and temporary things. I'm talking about being able to bless and bestow favor and instill spiritual gifts and so on into their kids' lives because they're intentionally discipling them. And listen, parents, if you weren't that dad to your kids, it's never too late to be that. It's never too late to step up and to begin to make a difference in your kids' and your grandkids' lives. Even in the church, we've got fathers who have the power to make a difference in, their li- in the lives of their kids. But we're so busy in the rat race of the American life and our own agendas that we don't have time for our own kids to train them up in the ways of the Lord. There is no greater adventure than to be on the journey with Dad. It could be a road trip across town. There is no greater adventure in a kid's eyes. Be that. Some of you are going, yeah, but my, my dad's not around. Okay. You know, Paul spent a lot of time talking to Timothy about spiritual fathers. Yeah. Amen. Granddads, be that. Single moms who are doing that already, I applaud you for fulfilling a role in your kids' lives that they don't have. Let someone come alongside you and be a spiritual father to your kids. We have men that would love the opportunity to help with you. We have the ability. Pastor Tina has an incredible team of of kids workers over there, and they've got dads that are helping. And I think even back to to kids camp just a couple of weeks ago where Jerry Walking Stick was in the room with all the kids, and he had all those kids all by himself in that one room, and I prayed for him every single day. (laughs) And at the same time, I thanked God that it was him and not me. Jerry, you're my hero, for real. We, we need people to step up and take that place in so many of our kids' lives because we have a fatherless epidemic. And can I tell you that race knows no boundary in this? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, purple with polka dots, it doesn't matter. It's the same epidemic across our American society. So enough meddling, back to preaching. So for us, we need to get back to the beginning. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Almighty. Just look at your neighbor and in your your best, you know, like um, uh, Morgan Freeman voice, say, Almighty. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. It's got to get a little bit of a growl. You know, like a T.D. Jakes-esque, you know. Almighty, you know. Yeah, it's got to. When we talk about God 
Almighty. If we don't start with him being almighty, there's not much of a point in talking about God, is there? If he didn't have the power to take the stars and fling them into the sky and tell them to stay put, it wouldn't matter, would it? If we didn't have a God who had the ability to create, would it be necessary for us to worship him as God? It wouldn't, in my opinion, because if he can't do any of that, then this book is a lie. If he didn't create everything like the Bible says, now whether you're a new, a new earther, or a young earther, or an old earther, it don't matter to me. The point is, do you believe that Jesus created it? Yes. Okay, that's the important part. You can get into aspects where you can say, well, there's a, you know, a day is as a thousand years. Fine, 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 fine. Let's, you can go that route if you just absolutely have to, but hear me say this. The Bible is true when it says that on day one God did this, and on day two he did that, and on the seventh day he took a rest. Because he's almighty. And if he could get it done in six days, then how about you probably can too? Working seven days a week hadn't ever worked out very well for anybody in all of history. We need that day to rest. We've got to trust that he's almighty and can make it happen in your life just like he has all through the Bible. Now, either we believe it or we don't. That's easy to say amen to right now. But how about when day seven is nipping at your heels and you're thinking, I just need to make a little bit more money, just a little bit more money. If I work one more day in that double shift, then, oh, baby, I'll have some extra money. How about trusting that God has a plan in the first place? How about learning to do it his way so day seven you can rest? I know I said I was done meddling. I'm sorry. Problem is, we live in a world where it's easy to take God for granted in our need of him, right? I mean, think about it. We're Americans. I mean, really, really think about it. We live in the most prosperous land in the, in the entire world right now. For the most part, we aren't desperate and concerned that if we don't get enough rain, that our crops are going to make it. My, grandpa, my grandparents lived through that. Fasting and praying, God, if you don't send rain, the crops are going to die, and how are we going to feed these kids? My grandparents lived those days. I don't. You know what I worry about? Oh, man, they went bad. Rachel, we got to go to Walmart so we have vegetables for dinner. Oh, it's drought out west. Oh, no, those poor Californians, they don't have any water. Did you hear of anybody dying from thirst? No. Oh, man, we don't, we don't live with desperation for anything anymore, right? Oh, we, don't, we don't need to really believe that God's going to provide that need. Oh, we just don't have enough money right now. Oh, that's why we keep a credit card. We'll just use it to pay for that extra bill we didn't see coming until we've used it for too many bills we didn't see coming. And then we play the oh no card, right? Oh, God, I've done it again. Help! We aren't desperate for God to give us good health, keep the water we're about to drink or the food we're about to eat from making us sick because we have doctors, we have government agencies making sure that the food and the water are safe and edible and drinkable for us. And if it's not, then people get fined and people go to prison and there's lawsuits and we still have a doctor to take care of us when the food and the water are not right and we get sick from them. We still have all of these things in place. We don't have to be desperate for God in the country that we live in, right? 
That's why we need to be more desperate for God than ever before in all of history because it's easy to not need him. It's easy to say, I have more than enough. Why would I need a God to provide anything? Why do I need a fire, a get out of hell free card when I have everything so easy in life today? But friends, that's so, so exactly why we need to be desperate for God because if we're not, we'll miss him. In the day and age that they wrote the creed, they didn't need to worry. You know, the, the, the Jews of the day, they weren't worried about a Messiah. Why? Because they had already figured it out for themselves. They had an arrangement with Rome, and they would persecute Jews just like Jesus and his followers who tried to rise up against them. They didn't need God. They didn't need a Savior. They didn't need a Messiah. We desperately need him today. We need an almighty God to show himself real again in this nation more than ever before. So why is it that they were attributing almighty to their God? Why? Well, for the most part, as devout young Jews, they believed the Old Testament. They had it. They believed what it said. They believed that God could actually do anything for them because they had seen the fulfillment of the promise of a Messiah in the person of Jesus Christ, and they had discovered that it was real. And so in that process, they decided, hey, maybe the rest of it's real too. And so they clung to everything that they had read in the Old Testament. They weren't just mere stories to teach us morality like so many say today. Oh, they're just moral stories. They don't apply to today. This is the Bible. Every word applies to us today. And so when it says that, that all of these stories happened, they actually believed it. They actually thought it was true that he could actually meet every one of their needs, that he could actually create and heal and deliver and set free and make a way where there didn't seem to be a way, that there was no job too hard or no task too great that their God could not do. They believed he actually did the things that the Old Testament claimed were true. They believed that he was there in the beginning walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden because he created the Garden of Eden and them. They believed those stories were true. They believed that he was there with Noah when he built the ark before anyone had ever seen a single raindrop. They believed that he was there with Abraham when he created the covenant between Abraham and himself that they are now participating and beneficiaries of. They believed it was all true. They believed that he was the almighty God who was there with David when he took on Goliath and let go of that little stone, that it was the hand of the almighty God that guided that stone right to the forehead of the great Goliath and brought him crashing to the ground and set David on a crash course with being the king of Israel. They believed God did all of those things. They believed that he was there when Samson used the jawbone of an ass. I, I'm sorry, the jaw, that's what I heard last week. I apologize. The jawbone, of, he already slipped out coming up here to do worship. I can't even tease him about his sermon last week. They believed that he used the jawbone of a donkey to slay 3,000, and that story was true. They believed that he was there when Gideon led the worship team into war. They believed that he was there when Solomon dedicated the temple, when Moses led the children of Israel across the Red Sea on dry ground. They believed that he was there when Jericho was conquered, when Nehemiah rebuilt the wall, and Ezra rededicated the temple. They believed that God Almighty was a part of every single incident in those stories. Because they weren't just stories, they were testaments. Do you know the difference between a story and a testament? Come on, come on. Sometimes kids tell stories. 
right? I, I know you guys have never told a story. Sometimes we call a story a lie, right? Now, Cade, I'm going to owe you a dollar for this one. Let me use your analogy. Cade has told a story or two in his life. But his stories don't compare to Hayes's. <laughs> Hayes is four. And Hayes will look at you. We were just yesterday morning. Uh, Rachel's friend, our, our friend Selena was over at the house. And Hayes is telling her all about, yep, this is what we did yesterday. We went, we were at a hotel. And that hotel had two bedrooms. It had two bathrooms. And just one after the other. We weren't at no hotel. <laughs> I don't know family you went with, buddy, but it wasn't us. You know what I'm saying? I don't, know where you, she, I don't know where she took him, but hey, it is what it is, right? And I'm like, none of this is true. It's a story. It sounds plausible. It sounds like, hey, that could have happened. Why didn't you guys tell me y'all went to a hotel? We didn't go to a hotel, Selena. Well, he says, tell me a story. You went to a hotel. No. Mm -mm. I don't know where he's getting that one, but it ain't true. A testament is where we get this word that we use in court, right? Where you get called under oath to give a testimony, something that has to be articulately, articulately true. You, you have to, to tell the story as it really happened, and it has to be 100% true. There's no, no lies are found in it, or you get in trouble for lying. It's called perjury. In the same way, they believe these were not just stories. They believe they were true, that it was a testament, that it was a true rendition of what really happened, and that the God Almighty they had heard about was going to do the same thing in their lives today, and that he still does it today, and they wanted their kids to know that he's the same God who created heaven and earth, and he still does it today, and he still does it today, and he's going to do it tomorrow. And so when you need healing, you can look at it and go, hey, Jesus healed them. He'll do it for me. I went and got Oh, come on now, you know better than this. When Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? When you need money, go down to go fishing. Ted, go fishing and pull out the fish. There's going to be money to pay your taxes in it. They believed those stories were true because they had seen it time and time again. They wanted their kids to know and their kids' kids to know. And on down so that we're still telling about God Almighty today. It's true. It's all true. If you're like me, looking back helps you know how you can handle what's coming at you today. Where we make a mistake is when our rearview mirror becomes bigger than our windshield. We've got to be looking for all, every Old Testament story that we referenced. They're all true. They're all true. And it's a testimony of what God wants to do in your life. It's a testimony of what God can do in your life. Whether you feel like Job, like you've lost everything or you're about to, I'm telling you, you can tell your like Job when you can say, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Because he's God and I'm not. Because God the Father Almighty is in control and whatever he wills, I'm okay with. You may feel like you find yourself in any one of the Old Testament stories. You're not sure how you're gonna work it out, but I'm telling you, hang in there. God has a plan and he's gonna see you through because I believe in God the Father Almighty. And there is nothing too hard for him to do. So here's where we get to today. This is 
I love the creed. I love the Apostles' Creed. I love everything about it. And we're going to sing it a lot in the coming weeks because I want us to drive that home. But when I think about God Almighty in my life today, and I think about our church family, I think about Ted with what he's facing. I think about Russie Lee, who's in the hospital today. They took her to the hospital last night with pneumonia, and they've decided she's got a heart issue going on and a blood clot in the leg and several things that are happening there and desperately needs our prayer. Uh, I think of Lily, Lily Skipper's daughter who's been bitten by a spider two different times and is dealing with the sickness that comes from all of that. I think about so many different stories here today, and I just wonder, God, I don't even begin to know how to handle all this, but what I come back to is this. You're God Almighty, and I'm not. I don't have to handle anything. All I have to do is do what your word says. That let the sick among you call for the elders of the church. When they lay hands on them, they will be raised up. That's what the Bible says. That when we come to Jesus, he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. That when we come to Jesus, that he will make a way. That when we come to Jesus, he has the power to heal. He has the power to restore. He has the power to do anything. I don't know what you're facing. But I know the one who's in it with you. God Almighty. God Almighty. Don't say it like you mean it, like you're at an OU football game and you can't believe the play they just blew. He's God Almighty. Victorious and powerful. And he's in it with you. Do you believe it? Do you need it? If you need him to be God Almighty in your life because of what you're facing, would you slip up a hand? Yeah. Here's the deal, folks. He's the same. He is no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do for you, as the old hymn says. He'll do it. Come on all over this room. Would you stand to your feet right where you're at? Elders, would you make your way down? I know it's been a little bit of a different sermon, but here's where the rubber meets the road, folks. If you need prayer and many hands went up, we want to agree with you because we believe that the Bible is true. But before we get to we want to pray and agree with you, I want every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I need forgiveness of sins. My life is not right with the Lord Jesus, and I need to be forgiven of my sins. I've harbored sin in my heart, and it separates me from God. I don't know him as God Almighty. I need to know him as the Savior today. Would you slip up a hand? All right. Great. Who else? Come on, I'm looking. You're right to, to left. Anybody else? You need to know him as Savior. Come on, anybody else? Kids, teenagers, anybody? Come on, who else? You need to know him. Okay. Here's what I want everybody to do. There were hands that went up. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Wipe away every sin in my heart. Wash me clean so that I can stand pure before you. And I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, and help me to live for you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you raised your hand, 
whether it was for salvation, we want to pray with you for that. If you gave your life to Jesus, you need to tell somebody today. Today is a new day. I don't care if it's for the 500th time. I don't care if you've attended church here since the day we opened the doors. You've got to tell somebody, today I gave my life to Jesus. Secondly, if you raised your hand and said, I need him to be God Almighty in my life, we want to agree with you in prayer. Don't be in a hurry. Come on, let's enter into his presence. As they sing this old song again, I want us to enter into his presence. And if you need prayer, begin to make your way right now. You guys go ahead. If you need prayer, come on, we want to agree with you. Don't wait, don't stop. Come on down right now.